Good afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports. Ready to get things underway. Podcast number 19. Coming up, a look at where major sports sit and how Detroit sports could fit into all of that. We will get into some of those things, surely, with a guy that I worked with for over 10 years on the radio in Detroit. And he's still there entertaining and and informing, and that is Pat Caputo, who's on the other end of the line. Hi, Pat. What's up, Dennis? How you doing, buddy? You know, trying to enjoy Memorial Weekend 2020 as most as I can, uh, or best as I can. That includes, you know, getting the grill out and, and scraping it down, and, and uh, I hope you've got some of that in the plans. Oh, I'm going to cut the grass. I think that's what I got. <laughs> hey! <laughs> well, you know, it's got to get done. You know that. Yes, you, yes. So you it's do good exercise that. and enjoy it. It's out in the sunshine. So Yeah, well. Do they have a summer like this? I had all of this, uh, you know, these, these different things that I was going to ask you. And then the big news this Memorial Sunday, this Memorial Week, is that Michigan President Mark Schlissel was quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying that Michigan won't have football this fall unless all the students are back on campus. And, you know, when I saw that, uh, you know, that to me, and with him expressing doubt as whether there'll be college athletics anywhere, you know, there's still – there's still it's too soon to say and you know to me he's being very cautious here but you know there there is a, a world and there is a chance that with all these sports and everybody making their they're just getting into the the baby steps here that you know he's right well it could be uh there's so much uncertainty about it but uh he's certainly in a position uh where his say is going to have a lot more say than others and uh, the fact that he is uh, making those statements, it's the second time he said a similar thing. He said something earlier along those lines uh, before there was this kind of a beginning of the gradual reopening or however you want to describe it, I think uh, opened up a lot of eyebrows today. I know I talked about it today on my show uh, about this uh, to a degree. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's like how excited do you get that Michigan's in on a top defensive player? as a recruit, right, uh, juxtaposed with, hey, you know, what, what type of season they're going to have. We're all looking forward to football. We discuss it like there's no possibility it's going to get canceled with the possibility uh, of the reality of it being canceled. Now, one thing about this, it's kind of like uh, it comes up, Dennis, with uh, the thing about the banners. You know, uh, Jawan Howard's now Michigan's basketball coach and you know, a lot of the Fab Five, they're all pretty much back in the camp, right? Because of the situation with Juwan Howard being the coach. And it's like, well, you just put the banner back up. It seems like Ward Manuel's into it. But when Ward Manuel talked about it, he was very honest and said, hey, you know, there's some institutional issues that suggest that they may not happen. And uh, I think there's a reality to Mark Fleschel, whose uh, background is, uh, you know, about immune disease. Immuniologist is what they call him. Uh, that's what his background is, uh, suggesting, well, there might not be any football. I mean, this isn't the athletic director. This isn't the football coach. This is the president of the university saying it, who has a medical background. Yeah, I know people don't like that cold water, and uh, I'm like you. I have been talking about most of these, whether it's you know baseball, going to spring training in June, the NBA and NHL at least looking at you know, different scenarios about some playoffs. And, you know, it just feels like, you know, you got down in Florida, they're talking about youth sports getting going. And, you know, you're starting to feel like, hey, you know, this is going well. And then 
I, I know there's some degree of doubt all along. Like, yeah, I mean, this is just in the beginning stages. And, and this just feels like cold water. And I know for a lot of people, and maybe especially on a holiday weekend, they don't want to, you know, have any cold water thrown in their face. No, I think uh, people are starting to be, uh, they're, they're trying to decide when to not be so fearful. You know, I mean, because they've been fearful of the medical issue. They've been fearful of the economic issue. When do we start stepping into the realm of normalcy? And there will be others who who have a scientific background like Mark Schlesel, medical background, who will turn around and say, well, there's a lot of different elements to this. Now, here's the good part of it. Okay, Central Michigan, your alma mater, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, a number of schools around the state have already discussed how they plan on having on-campus classes. Does it have to be full on-campus classes? You know, uh, and, and also, there's also this psychological thing. You know, the fall without football would really be something uh, that would have an impact, uh, and everybody's looking forward to football season. Would it really be unfair to the rest of the students if they had the students' athletes on campus but not the rest of the student body? Uh, would that really be unfair, or would the students actually want that if they were indeed uh, still taking the classes online? I mean, those are all different factors, and the cost of it, is it self-sustaining in Michigan's case, or is it based on the revenue that's brought into the university? How much money is it going to cost them? There's a lot of different uh, elements to this that uh, need to be discussed before, like you're talking about, the cold water just being thrown on it. Yeah, and you just look specifically, as I was listening to you, I was looking at the quotation here saying Michigan won't have a football season this fall unless all students are back on campus. Like, that doesn't leave a lot of, of wiggle room to saying, hey, we're going to have a system where we have classes spread out and we're going to have 50% online. When you say all students back on campus, that sounds pretty black and white, and I think that's the part where you're looking across the country, whether it's the West Virginia AD or down there in Auburn. or I saw Joel Klatt, the – the college football uh, Fox analyst tweeting out this weekend that the 2020 season is 100% happening. So when, when you see people so definitive like that, you know, it just gets people, you know, and we want to, you know, be optimistic and, and feel like, you know, there's a chance, especially that far, uh, you know, that long, I guess that when you're, you're talking about months away. Well, here's a question for you. I, I can see Alabama. All right. The, the Alabama playing Auburn playing the SEC playing. I can see them playing under the scenario, all right? Given just the climate of the tradition of the schools, uh, I hate to bring it in, but the political climate in those states. Sure. Uh, and looking at uh, the situation here in Michigan, you know, and who's right or who's wrong, you know, on that. I know this, that Michigan, uh, football-wise, if they were to play in those schools, you know, the Clemson's, the Alabama's, uh, even the Ohio State, you know, do you think they're going to be quick to say in Ohio State, hey, you're not playing this year? Uh, you know, how much damage did that do to Michigan's football program in the long run? And there's always this, Dennis, and I bring it in there. Uh, it's like, well, should they really matter that much because it's an institutional uh, academic learning, higher institu- an institution of academic higher learning? Uh, isn't it about education first and safety first? And shouldn't be so much about football. That's uh, hard to tell that to uh, somebody who's a Michigan fan. It really is because uh, to them, and, and you know this better than anybody uh, with your background, it's it's pretty serious business. 
Well, it's like everybody out there, each person, whether how, how risk averse, how much they want to go out and say, look, I, I'm ready. I, I understand, at least to, to the, my own understanding, you know, what this virus means. But I also understand about what going out and living means. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are ready, whether you want to say risk it or, or you know, uh, take their own chances and uh, how they're doing this. And, you know, the one thing about it is that all of these sports can say whatever they want and we see how you know each day things are unfolding and it's not like these football teams and I know across the country their facilities opening up and there's going to be teams back working out but there's you know you could in theory you know if everything is going well all June and, and baseball somehow you know gets an agreement and the NHL, and uh, and the NBA are 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 getting practicing and and, and there's just good signs. There's no uh, there's there's nobody saying that you couldn't reverse this and and try to at least then start going here in Michigan, you know, in July. And I know people would listen and say, "What are you talking about, July?" I'm just talking about football and with the chances of still having a season up here. I mean, that's still this is still just the, the the very beginning. Those are the things that I, I think I'm emphasizing is that it could change. It, it could change on both sides. Everybody that's very optimistic in the South, you know, there, there's a, it's a very easy scenario where you could talk about, well, uh, we're going to have to take a step back and people will be disappointed. Just like up here, if things are going well and there's weeks stacked upon weeks, that things could change up here looking more like, you know, some of the more, you know, the states that are going after it a little bit quicker. Well, you, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's only been nine weeks, you know, of uh, you know, this has been the shutdown. This has happened, you know, it's surreal, and it seems like it's been nine years, you know, of going through it. <laughs> it it's it's kind of like the start of this massive grind, and uh, in the the realm of history or the realm of time, you know, the three, four, or five months, or even a year that this happens you know, is relatively short period, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, right now it just seems like forever. So uh, it's, you know, and you hear it over and over again, you know, what about a second wave in the fall, you know, and uh, because of the last time we had a pandemic that affected this country like this, uh, albeit more than a century ago, the worst part of it was that second wave in the fall. And, you, you know, and if you got somebody who's in the medical profession, like Mark Fleschel, that's where he was from. You know, maybe his view of it's different than the rest of us. And I, and I, I don't know, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't have an answer for it. I know this is just for sports, which has been, uh, for use of a better term, immune from this type of thing. When we've had other tragedies, sports has gone on and been part of the healing process. There's anything but immune from this particular situation. You know, they played college football, if you look, and Michigan played in 1918, or was it 19? But they played five games. You know, uh, their schedule was reduced. It was just conference games. You know, I've seen the pictures of the math at the uh, Georgia Tech game that somebody put up on social media. Baseball was played. But it, it was 100, 100, more than 100 years ago. And so what, how do we define it? And there were the deaths, which they never really calculated, were far more extensive than what we've had so far uh, with this pandemic and different uh, segment of the population uh, affected more adversely. So I, you know, it's almost impossible to answer, you know, but I know this, that uh, everybody's gone on the uh, premise that football is just going to happen. 
And you're right, man. The term cold water, that was definitely splashed on this uh, instance here with Schlechel saying that. Yeah, for the most part, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm ignoring it or other people are. It's just like it's fun to talk about sports and just constantly talking about uh, whether you're you're scared to go out or whether you feel like uh, the economy is right, collapsing, right. you know, all of those things. And, you know, so with that, Pat, you know, just switch gears, ask you a couple, you know, sports questions here. I know. Memorial Day and this weekend, we remember military who died in combat. And I was just thinking, you know, growing up in, uh, in these unusual times, it was always like the beaches and pools would open in Michigan. So you look, you know, so forward to Memorial Weekend. And, and then baseball. It's not the most popular anymore, but it's the oldest and it's uh, iconic. And, and in regards to the Tigers, and it could be a bad assumption that I'm kind of staying out of the impasse and assuming they are going to get a deal done here under the circumstances. But we do know we're going to have a June 10th draft, and that is happening. And uh, the Tigers do have that number one pick, and it still seems to be Spencer Torkelson, the Arizona State right-handed hitting first baseman, the presumptive uh, selection. And I know you haven't, uh, at least a couple months ago, you weren't automatically, you weren't penning it in. You might have had it penciled in, but... Now, do you have the pen out? Do you think that's the way the Tigers are going? That that date is rapidly approaching. Well, I think it's a little more complicated than looking at Spencer Torkelson's uh, traditional line. You know, with all those home runs and breaking Barry Bonds' record or, you know, flashing in and uh, seeing some Spencer Torkelson, uh, you know, just powdering the baseball. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the pick. I, I don't know if that's accounting in for the way teams actually think going into the draft. Uh, think about this. Uh, J.D. Martinez eventually out hit his uh, defensive deficiencies and base running deficiencies. Torkelson uh, would have to be a hitter of that type of note uh, to justify the first overall pick and a non-premier position first base defensively uh, to justify being taken when it comes down to his overall value of winning. Uh, the metric thing, which is, you know, teams have invested, especially the Tigers among them, uh, in analytics, uh, they're looking for multidimensional players. And Austin Martin's a better player than what the perception is. Uh, they, people see Torkelson, they say, well, it's Paul Goldschmidt. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, he really has to hit. And you've had some earlier picks in the draft, college players, uh, Vaughn from California, Bidet, uh, from uh, Vanderbilt, which would be similar categories that were great college hitters, but it hasn't necessarily translated to professional baseball yet. And a player like Martin, who has plus speed, plays three premier positions. And my understanding, shortstop might be his best position, but third base is hard to fill defensively, as we know here in Detroit, and uh, center field in addition to shortstop. Um, and, uh, you know, his projects as a 20 home run type of guy. And is hits for a high average, is done things, may actually be the better player uh, when it comes down to his value for actually winning and losing games. So it's not as not as cut and dried uh, just looking at uh, Torkelson, but Torkelson's got the name that people remember. Hard to forget that name. Yeah, it is. And uh, he's got the highlight videos. You know, I mean, you know, he's uh, he looks good on the highlights and. Uh, People are like, yeah, get him, man. He's Jeff Bagwell. He's Paul Goldschmidt, you know. Well, and if the Tigers took him, I wouldn't think it would be so outside the box or something. I, I'm just not so sure it would be the right pick. Well, what if he's Nick Castellanos 2.0 in that what about the Tigers moving him, uh, moving him to left field? He played there in high school and Cape Cod League a few times 
uh, at right. uh, for uh, Arizona State too. And I read that he it was a running back in high school for what that's worth. Maybe that you know shows his athleticism right. that maybe Look he on. could be. But you know right. the thing for me is like. You know, the Castellanos, that, that got to be such a a pain here. They never could find a spot. It wasn't fair to him sometimes. Uh, it wasn't uh, – he didn't do it justice a few times. But, you know, C.J. Crone, he's 30 years old, so a couple years there. Uh, you know, you could say, hey, if he's a, an above-average first baseman that can hit, would you take that or would you take a, an, an average left fielder at Comerica with a big bat? You know, those are the things I'm sure they're, they're weighing. I just – if they think about putting him out there and left, they better really let him play out there for a couple of years before moving him. Well, what I need to know, you know, if I'm looking at it is, do they have the, uh, the StatCast, TrackMan, you know, the Doppler radar technology in the Cape Cod League or when he was in high school, or if he played in showcase tournaments where they have that data? If they do have recent data on it because the athleticism changes, you know, sometimes between somebody being 18 and 21 and uh, what the actual data says, you know, when it comes down to how you put that in his scouting profile, obviously uh, they're not at a point where like Riley Green, they can run him in the 60 yard dash and just work him out the same way because of the circumstances that we have here. Um, the one thing with Austin Martin, you've got that, I believe that tracking data, on what he covered ground in center field, what his range was at uh, third base. And uh, he might even play some shortstop in there that he would have. I believe they have that type of tracking data available to them uh, in big-time college stadiums in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So those are the questions that you got to ask when it comes down to it. Um, scouts, I can sometimes, uh, you know, and so appreciate baseball scouts and everything that they do. I love them. You know that. But it's uh, sometimes the scout's eye can be a little bit uh, prejudicial based on you really want to fit a square peg into a round hole, you know. And think about Nick Cassianos, what he did at 20 years old, what he would have been like as a college player. College baseball is not even remotely uh, as good as professional baseball. It looks like it, you know, on the surface, uh, but it isn't. So it's hard to project that. Also, the data that's going to be really important is what he does with a wood bat. How much data they have compared to what he did, you know, with an aluminum bat. They're not used like they used to be, not even remotely. His power production was impressive with that. But, you know, where does it rank? You know, those are key factors uh, when you're evaluating this that, haven't really been taken into account a lot of the reports that I've read about it. No, those are all good things to consider. And then just the obvious, if that – you know, Torkelson, when he's going to Arizona State, he knows what the premium positions are. And, you know, why didn't they have him out in, in the outfield at Arizona State? If uh, if it meant, you know, higher draft position and and what teams are looking at, they would have known that four years ago or whatever it was there, and, and they still elected to put him at first base. So I, I think that's kind of like an obvious thing too. Yeah, but on the flip side, you can say the same thing about Mark. You know, I've read you know, and talked to people. He's a really good shortstop. Well, if he's such a good shortstop, why didn't he play at Vanderbilt that position? So uh, those are all different factors uh, that you have to take into the equation. You know, uh, something as simple as what is uh, Martin, for example, his exit velocity compared to Torkelson? Is it relatively close? Is it, you know, a discernible difference? Because that's something you can project hitting on. Uh, those are all numbers that I don't know. And uh, what I'm trying to emphasize on this, if they took Torkelson, I wouldn't. 
being critical of the Tigers for doing it. But uh, those would be questions that I would be asking Al Avila, their general manager, in the aftermath. Right now, obviously, and I've had Al on the show, but, um, you know, he's not answering any of those questions. You want to go anywhere near that right now. They don't <laughs> yeah. want to give away their hint. Yeah, yeah Al, what's it going to come down to uh, with that number one pick, right? Yeah, he's not going to give you uh, – He wouldn't even mention the names. You know, he said, well, you're on the pretty much the track. You're a hardcore baseball guy. you got to buy a big – you know, he knows that everybody knows it's between these two guys, but he's not going to tip his hand on it. But if it's Martin, don't get that disappointed. It may be the right pick. I won't get dis- uh, get disappointed until I see that it doesn't work. You know, that's, yeah, that's... then if it doesn't work, you know, I mean, you got something to justify. <laughs> the really interesting part about this draft, Dennis, is the 38th overall pick, the second round pick. Um, there hasn't been a 38th overall pick that's appeared in the major leagues. Uh, since the 2013 draft. So it's a different dynamic uh, through the later part of the draft than it is in the first round. So, and the Tigers' last three second round picks, uh, you know, hit 184, 221, and 228 the last three years. Uh, Quintana, uh, the third baseman, Parker Meadows, the outfielder, and Ray Rivera, a uh, first baseman that they took. So uh, they need to do better a little bit later in the draft. So. Wow, I haven't even heard of uh, Ray Rivera since you know. Well, it was he was a six foot four like DH type of guy. He really had to hit, and he hasn't hit in lower levels of the minor league. So, well, you know, speaking of a different dynamic with these unusual circumstances, you were just talking about some numbers, and if they do have an eighty-two game slate, it's going to be fun. The fun part of the discussions, you know, what would it mean? Like for some teams, like if the Indians won it and broke their 72-year drought or if a player hit 400, like Joey Votto over 80 games back in 2016 did do that. And I just, you know, if they have 82 games, you can just, you know, you double it up. Like if Christian Stewart went out there and hit 19 home runs in an 82-game slate, you could say, hey, man, that's on pace for, for 38. Hopefully that, that stuff would be awesome if we are able to, you know, get this uh, and, and they are, you know, don't, they just come to an agreement. Those are the kind of things that is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And baseball needs to play. You know, it can't be, be because of the dollars. If it does that, uh, it could be the ruination of the sport. You know, the, you're old enough to remember the labor stoppage and the number of labor stoppages and the damage that it did to the sport. It's never fully recovered from that. You know, it's still a $10.6 billion industry last year, and that's significant, but it's uh, – you know, the, the, the NFL officially became the national pastime when they canceled the World Series and then brought in the replacement players the following spring. And uh, baseball's never fully recovered from that. It just hasn't. So it's still big, but uh, if this happens, it's not because of health issues or whatever, or they try to play some games with it pretending it is. And say the NHL gets up and everything goes well for them, and the NBA, baseball will suffer, a, you know, a... a a blow that it's going to be very difficult to recover from. Yeah, I remember in 81, it was, I think, the first year I got Sports Illustrated back when, you know, that was the, the magazine to have. And uh, I re- saved the the 81 baseball strike. It was just a mitt sitting on the front cover. But it was on June 22nd, the 81 strike. That's my birthday. And and so uh, that's when that's why I remember that one. And then 94 was – it was uh, – uh, July, early August, it was when I was first starting in, in radio, and I can remember like, wow, man, here I am. You know, this is what I've been looking forward to doing and everything else. And, you know, baseball goes on strike and they cancel it. And 
And there was a big effect in that. Like I used to revere the game so much. I wanted to know every single thing about every stat and number and, and the history of it. And I took like 10 years off and I don't know if I've ever gone back to wanting to know every single thing about it. But you know, the big thing for baseball for me is that, you know, it's not the owners or the players or anything. It's the history of this, uh, of this country. You know, it's the oldest, it's got a special place uh, in America, Americana and say whatever else they got a, I don't know whether you say a responsibility or anything else, but man, people, if you could get baseball back and especially on a Memorial weekend, Pat, you know, we always think of baseball and, and grilling, you know, this weekend, but baseball, when they usually have the summer, you're looking towards the holidays. And if they do get this and, and somehow are able to get back on the field, July 4th is one of those target dates. And I could just imagine what a lift that would be for the morale of the country. It feels a little bit like they have a responsibility to come together and figure out, you know, uh, you know, the money and everything and, and get out there and play ball. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's Blake Snell. I'm not trying to, you know, belittle him or subjugate him because he's already received enough. You know, what he said, you know, there was an element of truth to it. So I don't, not big on just they gotcha thing, but you know the I, I want mine. You know the uh, sound like a line from a Blackie song. You know that doesn't play too well right now uh, with the uh, rampant rate of unemployment. Uh, you know, if you throw that on top of you know what already is a you know health crisis beyond what anything we've seen in our our lifetime and hopefully never see again is. You know, and baseball does, but I don't think that the owners necessarily look at that or the players look at it that way. You know, and uh, I don't, uh, you know, so I'm hopeful that they get it together and they understand the damage of it. But, um, you know, if if somebody's got millions and millions of dollars in the bank, they're secure for the rest of their lives. Uh, I don't know if they're sitting there thinking, yeah, I got to do this for my country, you know, and they don't look at it that way. I mean, you had baseball players in the past that did it. Actually, went into military service and they kept baseball going. But it's a different time, different mindset. You know, the countries are different. But I'm hopeful. You know, I know Tony Clark since he was 18 years old. He's a pretty reasonable guy. Um, and I, you know, the man for uh, some things I agree or disagree with, but I, I think they understand the importance of it. So I'm very hopeful that uh, it gets together. One thing that can happen is you can't have a bunch of star players who don't want to play, and you can understand why. And you can say to them, that's fine, you made that choice. Don't hold it against them. That's their individual choice. That's what I would suggest. But you can't keep everybody else from not playing because these few stars who are secure don't want to play, and the rank and file do. So it'll be interesting to see how that sorts out. That's a little bit bigger issue than what people are making out of yeah. uh, with this thing. I'm with you on that. If they do want to sit out because of health reasons or whatever else, uh, I, I would have, I would understand that. Well, Pat, I, I know that uh, you've been working this uh, holiday weekend. you got grass to get to, but i got two quick things for you that I wanted to throw your way and see where you're at. You might not have uh, seen this, but Mike Daniels, who the, the Lions signed last year, he had a series of workout videos that he was throwing up on Twitter, Twitter this weekend. And Did you see just how good Daniels looked in those workouts? Uh, no, I did not see it. I saw that he wanted to come back to the Lions after he totally skewered them. 
Go yeah, I, I just wonder if it's one of these things. And, and underneath are all these Packer fans, like, you know, tagging the Packers, saying, look at how good he looks. But it just might be one of those things. He signs with the Lions, and then, or if you get traded to the Lions, you have this, you know, this bad season, or the team does, or you get injured. I think people look at it like, hey, you know, here's your wake-up call. I don't know how much Mike Daniels uh, weighs. You know, it's got to be over 300 pounds. He, he looked pretty big in that Lions uniform last year but man he's just he's just hanging from a bar with like a hundred pound belt and he's just he's just cranking out these pull-ups i'm just like it's just an amazing uh, it's just amazing you know physical uh, video of watching somebody throw around these weights and you know that doesn't mean that he's you know back from whatever injuries he had or he couldn't do that last year i just man it, it just seemed like he didn't look like – I didn't see him, you know, throwing around the weight like that last year before coming to the Lions. But, man, I sure do see it now. He didn't look like he was in particularly good shape back then. But here's the thing about it. The football player isn't necessarily about, you know, their ability to run or move. That obviously can be a factor. It's also the ability to take a hit. You know, and uh, it seems to me, and I don't know why, and I don't know why it's at certain levels with certain players and not with other players, but you only have so many of those blows in you, it seems like, you know, kind of like a pitcher only has so many pitches in his arm and then it's going to go. And the question with Mike Daniels for me would be, can he stay healthy yeah. uh, going through the grind of practice and then the actual grind of a game where it's full contact. And you never know until the actual event happens now, because obviously you have a lot less contact in practice, but you know, it's probably a good thing for him that he's a quote-unquote workout warrior at this point. Yeah, it's just one of those things when you think about the Lions, and you do this a lot, like if they would have had Mike Daniels even play close to the way he played when he was in Green Bay or Snacks, the way that he played those first few games for the Lions or the way he played for the Giants, just how drastically different last year's defense could have been. You know, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Pat, is that back when the Red Wings secured the, the last spot, in the NHL, we saw that, you know, they had the 18.5% chance, at, which is, you know, were the best odds. Although, with the way the uh, the Sharks plummeted and how uh, Ottawa has both of the picks there, you know, I guess they have better odds. But the way that with the, the playoff format coming out and the possibility that the Wings here, they could resort to this old – a lottery system where instead of an 18 and a half percent chance, they would have a 57% chance and they would be guaranteed one of the top two picks. Like when, when the, uh, the odds came out, you were like, nah, I don't like these odds. I think they should change this up. I mean, you had a reason for that. And I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. And I thought of you, when I saw this, I'm like, wow, man, that's three times the odds. I bet Pat probably likes that. Well, it's more fair. I mean, the Red Wings never, never tanked, you know, it happened to them organically. And it would seem unfair to a team that probably should have gone into rebuilding mode sooner, but stuck with the league's kind of want of teams trying to make the playoffs uh, would get uh, totally uh, messed over like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's more equitable for the Red Wings if that happens. And there does seem to be a discernible drop-off between La Frontiere and uh, Quentin Byfield or Stutzel or whoever else you hear mentioned as a second overall pick. So. You know, yeah, ultimately it could benefit the Red Wings uh, if they were to get that first pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? You know, Torkelson, Lafreniere, Okuda already here. I don't know the Pistons, maybe LaMelo Ball. There's uh, 
going to be there a, lot you of, go, yeah. a lot of high-end talent coming to town, whether, yeah. uh, you know, we see them, you know, sooner than later or whatever. But uh, those are some definitely some big names. Well, all right, Pat, I know you got to go get to that grass. Uh, you were the you're the, the, the first repeat guest that I've had on this podcast. So uh, it's it's been great to have you. I, I appreciate it. I always like your well, work and, you know, keep it up. Well, I appreciate you. We're very good friends. We worked together for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I consider you uh, one of the best people in the world and uh, an incredibly gifted broadcaster. So very glad to be on, Dennis, and it's an honor to be the first repeat broadcaster, the first to be on. So I wish you luck, and I love you, man. Hey, love you too, Pat. Take a picture of that grass when you cut it, you know, put it online so we can, you know, judge your, you know, what kind of grass cutter you are. Well, now that I'm on Instagram, I'll do that. Oh, there you go. I saw that. There you go. Yeah. That's a good, that's a, you know what? That's an excellent IG post. I'm going to look forward. I'll, I'll be making my comments there uh, on okay, Instagram. Man, I, I appreciate it. Take <laughs> right. care, Dan. See you, Pat. There he is, Pat Caputo, here on this uh, Memorial Weekend. Well, I'm going to say I'm just getting started, which is not exactly true, but I still have lots of things to talk about here as I continue on on this Memorial Weekend and and one, just setting it back up, is that big news this Memorial Weekend with the Michigan president, Mark Schlissel, coming out, quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying, Michigan won't have a football season this fall unless all students are back on campus. And if you just stop there for a second, and by the way, just coming up in a minute or so, if I can cue it up here while I'm talking, I, I, I went back on YouTube and was watching some old Tiger games, and I was watching a the 84 opener with George Kell and Al Kaline. And guess what? The Tigers had a, a big first inning, and I'm going to play a little bit of that uh, straight ahead. So stay tuned. It's not just me going to be, you know, talking straight through for the next half hour. I've got a few things here that are going to be fun, including uh, a little Kell and Kaline from 1984. But, yeah, Schlissel saying that Michigan won't have a football season this fall unless all students are back on campus that is quite a statement when you have the backdrop here in a Memorial weekend of, of, of Florida getting ready to have view sports get going. And depending on what region of the country you're in, it can even change in the big 10. Like you think about what's going on in New York and then you look in Nebraska and how, you know, they're looking at this crisis to New York and then how the South is, you know, Pat mentioned earlier uh, politics at big play uh, here and that it doesn't take – well, I mean, if you're paying attention at all, anytime a move is made by any governor or, or president, it's all about this is how it's going to affect the election. This is how – you know, so I'm sure you get bombarded with that, as I do, all of the time. But it is quite the statement when you say all students are back on campus because if I'm thinking about – all students coming back on campus and, and just uh, the chances of that happening. I don't, I might just, you know, this is just me. I don't feel really good about that. Did I think that there could still be football and, and have some kind of a fragmented uh, schedule for classes? Like, you know, all kinds of different contingency plans or uh, scenarios where, you know, school and, and, and class could be, you know, staggered. But is that, is that having all students back and you have staggered classes and then, and does that still fit what Schlissel's saying here? Maybe it can, none of them talking it through. Like they can still, 
you know, be open for business with classes and yet have it look drastically different and in inviting and in theory have quote unquote all students, although you know the students are gonna have to make their choices themselves of whether they want to have a, a buy year or an off year or a red shirt year. These are just, you know, your regular student body, not talking about sports. Like if I worked my tail off to get to college and, and have that college experience, four or five year college experience at a, at a big university. And then this happened and, and I was advising my kid who, who worked that hard. I would say, Hey, why not take a year off if, you know, half of your classes are going to be online or, and then you're not going to have that full college experience. I mean, those definitely would be considered. I know people are considering that. So, you know, that is something to, to put in there, but it's just one of these things where you see, on the weekend Memorial weekend where there's a lot of other athletic directors, a lot of people in sports. Uh, I referenced it a little bit earlier, Joel Klatt from Fox putting out a tweet that the 2020 season is 100% happening. It's like, all right, well, here's Joel Klatt. I like Joel Klatt, but you know, here he is laying out the 100% that it's happening. And then Schlissel who uh, is, you know, is sounding so doubtful, you know, going on, well, did he sound doubtful? I mean, he just made the, the statement. He certainly uh, is cautious. He's saying, you know, it, it's too soon to say for me. You know, it's the Schlissel, yeah, he's being cautious. And in Michigan as a state, are they being the most cautious? I know, you know, that that's something that we have to deal with. And, and you know, people can be mad about that. People can be uh, aboard. But, you know, the one thing is we're not too June yet. And, you know, we if we see other – states and we see sports and it is happening like all of these sports can put in all of their plans contingency plans everything that they want to get going and yeah i hope the nba goes down to disney world and the eastern conference is able to have uh, their playoffs there and the western conference is able to go out to vegas and they're in a bubble and they get that going even though it's not ideal in the NHL with buys and having 12 teams in the East and 12 teams in the West and then having a playoff there, it's better than the alternative for sure, which would be not having it at all. And so, yeah, I would look forward to that. Baseball for somehow, uh, you know, they get together and, you know, they're at this impasse, but, you know, they, they do what's best for, for – they figure out a, you know, slice up the billion dollars between – billions of dollars between – you know, the players and owners, and they come to an agreement and they actually get it going by the 4th of July. If all of these things are happening and other states and, and, their, and their football teams are, are going to the facilities and, and working out, and then here in Michigan, and if we see that it, it, it appears to be smooth sailing, I, you know, if we're sitting here in July and everything's, you know, just we're still just, nope, nope, nobody's going anywhere. Well, yeah, there, there's, I would think that there is going to be a point where even if uh, we, being the, the state of Michigan, are looking up at everybody else, uh, there will be a point where they're going to, you know, just keep it, uh, you know, nope, we're not doing anything ever, no matter what the data. So, you know, having somebody out there first, you might want to be in that. And that sounds more fun, you know, if it works, sure. But also, yeah, it's hard to be. It's hard being like, yeah, let's be cautious when the weather's so nice and we want to get this going and 
and, and somehow move forward there. But uh, but I think if in, in June we get spring training in the NBA and the NHL are on the move and states are opening up, that, you know, we could see it. So that was, uh, you know, the, the headline there. Now, all of the other sports, just taking a look at it, I mentioned it with the NBA. Um, and I do have that George Kell video that I, I want to get to. George Kell and Al Kaline from, from opening day. Let me get to that, and then I'll give you what the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, I just talked about college football around here, and basketball, even though June, there's there's uh, a, a chance where they could get back sometime in June in football and basketball players and go work out. But first, let's play a little bit of that uh, that Cal and, and K-Line on YouTube. Thanks to YouTube for the audio. Tiger fans getting a first look at a free agent that they signed in 84. Dave Stewart's on the mound. It's Daryl Evans, the left-hander, and Cal and K-Line on the broadcast. Whitaker and Trammell come up first. They both get on base. They're sitting there at first and second. They count one ball and no strikes, and uh, here is Cal and K-Line. Outside, he just missed on the corner. One ball, no strikes. He's been close with the last few pitches, but as Al said, he might be trying to be a little fine in this ballpark. There's a long ball. It's gone. Way back in right field. What a way to start. Welcome to Tiger Stadium's Daryl Evans. 43,000 people here on their feet, and he hit a rifle shot way back up in the upper deck. Take a look at this swing. He's behind the count. He's looking for the fastball. He gets it, and I'm telling you, he stands at home plate, and he knows it. It goes way back in the upper deck. Yes, it did. Parrish is the batter, and he takes a strike right down the middle. Al Kalani hit that one a mile. Yeah, it just, uh, just a little more. All right. Brought this crowd to its feet with a tremendous home run. Strike two to Parrish. It's Parrish. I remember in spring training talking to Evans. He wasn't doing well. He hadn't hit a home run, hadn't driven in a run. He said, I want to do well for the people in Detroit so much. I want to do well. And he just did. This ball is going to be caught by the catcher. He hit him right on the fist, and Parrish popped it up. Like Ned so Yost. one out here in the first inning. Maybe I'll just keep that rolling in the background as I talk. Uh, who is, who's coming up here? It's going to be Gibby. All right, one pitch to Gibson. Gibby's had a couple of home runs here in this young season. He hit one out here in the first inning. And the batter will be Gibson. Wow. There's some YouTube for you. I'm guessing that he hit a couple home runs early in this season. Gibby's had a couple of home runs here in this young season. He hit one in Minnesota and one in Chicago.
I always like calling home runs when I'm watching it one time again. Stewart delivers. Ooh, he had a rip at it. He did have a rip at it. Uh, I'll, I'll take that down a little bit and talk as uh, I watch Kurt Gibson bat 1984 at um, an opening day for the Tigers. Ends up being a great year for him, as you do know. And, and that gets us to what some of the other sports I'll do are doing. And let me run through it. I saw that um, the NBA – they have the their GM's survey, and they are came out and revealed the the formats that are in play, and there are a number of them. Uh, Adam Silver put out the general managers. They had a, a conference call with the GMs. This was uh, this past week, and they they went out there and discussed you know the the start of games and. Um, nasal swab tests and bubble sites and all these different things. But here's some of the formats that are being considered. Just throw them by you and see what you think. So if the NBA did come back and they, the Eastern Conference went to Orlando and Disney and the Western Conference went to Vegas, they could advance directly to the postseason, 16-team, four rounds, just like it, uh, it, it usually is and based on the, the standing standings as of March 12th. And what you have here, if you look at the Eastern and Western Conference playoff races, they're not teams that are sitting there. You say, okay, yeah, you know, they, uh, it, it's there, there's no ties there. It could be done. And you know, to me, that seems like it's the, the best possibility of getting things done. But, you know, the NBA, like everybody else, they – they uh, are looking at their TV contracts, and you you look at a team like the Pistons, who have 16 games remaining in the regular season. If they if they felt like they could play some of those games, a couple of those games, they would have to be against the Eastern Conference teams. They might be able to realize some of that money. I think like that's why they, of course, would would go with the rest of the the regular season. Uh, another format that they're considering is a playoff plus option that would be expanding the number of teams with the opportunity to play. They would have a play-in tournament to determine the final seeds of the playoffs. They'd be played by bubble teams or the first round of the playoffs with a group stage. So, you know, this is a chance to get interesting and do so, or, you know, tinker with things and, and really say to some of those teams that, you know, felt like they could have made a, a run in the last 16 games where they get a playoff plus option. How many teams, you know, would they have, um, you know, instead of the 16 that make it, would they make that 18, 20, 22, 24? Either way, with, with 30 teams and the Pistons sitting there at five, none of those scenarios would cons- um and include the Pistons. They could resume the regular season with all 30 teams and all teams play the same number of games. I think that's doubtful, but it's still on the table. They could resume regular season with all 30 teams, plus they could have a play-in. All teams play the same number of games, followed by a play-in tournament for the final seeds and then have the traditional playoffs. You know, that would be fun, and that would be something – where, you know, if you played it against the Eastern Conference teams and the Western Conference teams out, you know, in Vegas and Orlando, respectively, you would get some of those teams that are just in the playoff lottery right now. Uh, you would give their fans something to look forward to. You might want them to lose immediately and, and just, you know, secure your draft position. Or you might, you know, en- enjoy a little bit of some kind of play-in tournament against teams that you're pretty much that are your peers. And if you look at the Pistons, man, you could easily 
you know, they're just a couple games losing in a row from from being the second worst team in the NBA. Meanwhile, a couple wins and, and they're a couple, you know, games away from, you know, having the seventh or eighth, you know, worst record. So, you know, you could have this playoff. It certainly would affect, you know, where you where you would sit in the lottery. So that's something. There's a, a playoff plus format where they're talking about a, this this play-in tournament. It all starts to, you know, to get pretty crazy here. Play-in tournament featuring bubble teams for the eighth seed, and I'm not going to read all of that. Scrimmage games they've talked about. They'll need two, three, four, or five to get ready to go. Playoff format. They could just go with the traditional East-West, or they could reseed all teams. I don't see that happening, especially if they're going to Orlando and Vegas. You don't want travel. And that just made me think just about the NBA. Like, you know, travel such a big thing when you thought about the, you know, the Warriors and, and, and Cavs. You know, you're going East Coast, you're going West Coast. If this year it was the Bucks and, who knows, the Lakers, you know, something like that. Still, you know, that travel what would happen when they got to the finals, whether they would have it in Vegas or Orlando, just one of the teams would have to travel. But you don't want to try. I think they try to eliminate the travel and keep those teams right there, almost like an Olympic village type scenario. And you, you think about, and a lot of conversation has been about what's it going to be like playing in front of no fans. And yeah, I understand that myself. But then you just think about the home court. Like here you are, the Milwaukee Bucks, you're playing down in Orlando. Yeah, game one and game two, it's going to be Milwaukee. They're going to wear the home jerseys, but it doesn't really matter. You're playing in the same gym. You know, you're just going across the street to the hotel. So, you know, that part I really hadn't considered, like, you know, what home court and how home court, you know, really, you know, steal game one, all of that kind of talk. To, yeah, there's going to be no home court advantage. And, Home court advantage means so much in the NBA. It should mean more when you think about it in the NHL because you get the last change. In the NFL, it does mean a lot, and it makes sense. When you see quarterbacks and you see offenses and what they have to deal with on the road where they're at home and you can hear a pin drop and you can tell everybody what to do, the communication is so much easier. You understand uh, how that um, affects a, a road team baseball well crowd can give you some energy i know by sitting in i remember before 2006 sitting in comerica park and you know spacious there was a forget a six feet distancing you know it'd pretty much be 10 12 feet sometimes you'd have a whole section to yourself easy breezy getting to the ballpark rolling right up for a you know 705 start at 705 no traffic no traffic to speak of getting out of there. But I remember this must have been 2006. You'd see it sometimes when the Red Sox or Yankees would come in, just how much the stadium would fill up and just what the atmosphere, the difference between 2005 and then 2006. I remember when Clemens, Roger Clemens, was pitching for the Astros, maybe 2006, could have been 2007, and the, the stadium was packed. And I'm just sitting there and, you know, dusk is settling in at Comerica Park and the stands are packed and it's just the buzz of the ballpark. And I'm just like looking around saying, man, it's such a difference having a packed ballpark with the atmosphere, just how it feels, just, just being a fan, you know, sitting there. And, you know, that part for uh, for uh, baseball. 
Um, go back one more cow. Let's see. They're they're still rolling the game here. Oh, it's Gibby. Gibby's still up the plate here. Let's see what's going on. Pitch outside, and it's one and one. We're in the first inning. The Tigers three, the Rangers one. Both clubs trying to settle down from the opening day jitters. Ball two and strike one. Opening day jitters. Dave Stewart on the mound. I just read a story about him and his stare, his fierce stare. And the pitch from Stewart. Opposite foul, it'll be out of play. I'm just staying with this at bat. Ball two and strike two. Houston plays in Philadelphia today. They're in the second inning, no score. Well, George, hold on before we go to the next pitch. You know, that was the NBA, what they have going. Pistons 16 to go. They got the number five slot. If they do, just end it where it's at. In the NHL, the 24-team format with the buys, 12 on each side. You know, it's not perfect, but it's better than the alternative. And if they do go with that old lottery system, wings with a three times uh, three times better the chance with 57% compared to 18 and a half. So, you know, that's how the Red Wings would be affected if that's the way they do go. I still have a hard time believing that that – that they would favor it so much for the Red Wings. But you're a Red Wing fan, you can hope. MLB, we talked a lot about that. And their, their stalemate, their impasse. And let's just see if they can get that going by the 4th of July. The NFL, the facilities are opening. But, you know, the different states, like here in Michigan, where are we at? June 12th. Well, maybe the Lions will start trickling in after that. And then this uh, the college football and basketball teams working out starting June 1st, but that's not happening here in the state of Michigan. Would it uh, on June 12th, will some of those uh, players begin to go to the facilities? Let me just think about that for a second while we take a pitch for Gibson. Standing in there. I'm hoping he does something here. on the 2-2 pitch. Ball three. Yeah, well, you know, the one thing about, you know, is it's safe for the college athletes to go back to campus. I think it's safe for them to go and work out and go to the weight rooms. So looking at some of the ideas there, how many uh, students, how many players are allowed to go into the the facility and work out in a, a small amount, and then they clean up after themselves, like wiping everything down, like if you're lifting weights or whatever, and you know, and and getting treatment and and whatever else. I think that that is going to be, I would say pretty safe they've got pretty good measures in there where the the issues come is that if you're a, a a college student college athlete in this case and yeah you go get your workout but then you go home are you going to stay away from a, a college party are you going to stay away from uh, you know college bars and house parties i mean that's the part where you know it doesn't seem very reasonable and you know, you're going to have to work through. All right, let's get this uh, last at-bat to Gibby. So far, Gibby has been very good at laying off the high fastball. That was a pitch that gave him a lot of trouble last year. So far, he's been able to lay off of it. There's a shot in the right center field. Gibson makes the turn. He's headed for second, but now he comes back. Oh, he could have made it, but Gibby didn't give it a try. All right, there you go. The Tigers put up a big crooked number here. In the first inning, and I'm glad Gibson got a hit there because I said this was going to be the last 
at bat I was going to play, and if he just grounded out or something, that was going to make this uh, Memorial Weekend show just end on kind of a, a down note. But you know what? It ended on a good note with Kurt Gibson hitting one up the middle. And uh, that's going to, to do it here. Had a nice week planned. Uh, got a high school football coach I'm going to uh, talk with. Got some U of M media lined up. Uh, Saturdays. The All-Star Saturday, that's going to continue on. And uh, just looking to a week from today, more uh, more Michigan. Look at Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. High school football coach. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, well, there's going to be lots to talk about. That's for sure. As uh, we, and I bet we'll still be talking about what the Michigan president had to say all week long. Is uh, We've got the early... Memorial Day, the 25th, and that means uh, just a week left in the month of May 2020. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. Send your comments in to me, uh, whether it's at Facebook or Twitter, at Dennis Fithian. I've got my podcast page there. Good afternoon, at Good Afternoon 21, George Kelwar 21 when he was with the Tigers. That's where that's from, and, you know, comments questions maybe you don't like this uh, music i'm looking at it you know it's stock music here if i can get somebody to throw something else in there jazz it up a little bit something to think about everybody have a we have a, a fine memorial weekend that's for sure and you know the other thing just wanted to say quickly here is i've, I've got the music playing in the background that you know memorial weekend and uh, enjoy your your weekend whether it's tomorrow, today, you know, listening to the podcast, you know, take a, a few minutes to reflect and honor those soldiers that, that died in war. Thank you. I'm going to get the grill going. 